On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies? We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations, discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we are chatting with internationally best-selling author Dervla McTiernan. Dervla is the author of The Ruin, The Scholar, and The Good Turn, which are part of the Detective Cormac Riley series. Her new standalone novel, The Murder Rule, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Dervla. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, well, we're very excited to dig into the murder rule in more depth and many other things. But why don't you start by just giving our listeners the elevator pitch for this book? Ah, the very well-practiced elevator pitch. You can grade yes. me on this one, guys. <laughs> it depends where you are in your publicity tour. Usually. Yes, yes. We you get people getting... early on. It is pretty early for you. I it don't is... know if you've had it down, but but oh. by, you know, the fourth trip, you're like, in your sleep. Ready to go. Right. I have timed this baby, so it hopefully... <laughs> oh, no, that's... That does not okay, now, now that I've built it up horribly, it's yes, going to fall yes. flat. But anyway, um, so The Murder Rule follows the story of Hannah Rokeby. And Hannah is a young, idealistic law student. She joins the Innocence Project on the eve of their biggest case. They're trying to free an innocent man from death row. And at first glance, Hannah is exactly what you'd expect her to be. You know, young, idealistic... The kind of person who wants to change the world and make it a better place. But if you scrape the surface, the real Han is very different. She's quite a bit darker and she's more complicated and she's working for her own agenda. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was. It's complicated, as we like to say. I know. You used our favorite <laughs> word. Yeah. And it's not a spoiler to say that. Hannah has on the surface saying she wants to really help this case and, mm. and help this man, but she is actually wanting the opposite. She wants yes. to bury him. She wants to hurt him. Yeah. It's the question of why that keeps us really turning those pages. So tell us about Hannah and, you know, what inspired her? What challenges you faced when you're writing her? How did you know it was her story? Gosh, you know, it's funny because I've been talking about her a little bit and, you know, it's clear not everybody falls in love with Hannah straight away. She's a bit of a complicated one. And it's a, it's a weird one for me because I think she's a bit of wish fulfillment for me in a way, um, which is embarrassing. Oh, I love no, that. That's, <laughs> I love that. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> yes. I think because when I was a young lawyer, particularly in my 20s, I was the kind of person who wanted to please and who wanted to do the right thing and take all of the boxes and not rock the boat too much, which is tricky when you're a lawyer because that's kind of part of your job. And I, I don't think that was a weird response given the environment I was growing up in. You know, in my early 20s, I was doing commercial law. I would go to meetings and everybody around the table was a man. And they were 20 to 30 years older than me. And the culture in Ireland at the time was young women were expected to kind of behave in a certain way. And you, it was okay to be smart. It was okay to be good at your job, but in a certain way that was socially acceptable. And mm -hmm. the socially acceptable way was to be kind of pleasant all the time. Yes. And mm -hmm. I fell in with that. And it took me a really long time to grow out of sort of always thinking way too much about what other people might think of me. 
it's not a very satisfying way to live your life like that. It's hard to be brave and it's hard to figure out what you want yourself. And so Hannah is not like that at all. <laughs> you know, she is yeah. totally convinced yeah. that she's right. And my God, she's ruthless. She's just going to go after what she wants. Yes, oh, yes, I love that. That is, there's something to admire there in her tenacity and also her skill, the way she twists the rules to her own ends. Mm. Uh, so I, I could see that. It's not, I mean, we wish she was using it for something better, but <laughs> this is where we meet her. And it's a very, very compelling character. Oh, thank oh you. yes. And, and as a lawyer who works in a law firm, um, it is a little bit better, but I still sit in a lot of meetings as, you know, the, Though I'm not the young woman so much anymore <laughs> with the people 20 years older than me, but, um, yeah, but with a room the full of men and constantly thinking about how I have to behave or I have to communicate something mm. because of how it might be perceived as a woman. So, mm, um, yeah. it's a little better, but mm, not I much. still, un- yeah. yeah, I still really relate to what you just said. Um, so, okay, the murder rule really reminded me um, of Karen Slaughter's bestseller, <gasps> Pieces of Her, which oh I hope you'll take God. as the I massive am, compliment I, I mean, am that taking is. that as possibly the best compliment I, I've ever had. I think she's well, amazing. I she know. Is. Well, we love her, and I love, we love that story, and, but... You have this, the, the mother-daughter aspect, the buried past, the unraveling of the pieces from the past and the present, much like that. And it really had that vibe to me. And so I was curious if you always knew you would structure it this way, meaning between the current with Hannah and the, her mother, Laura's mm. diaries from 1994. I knew parts of it. I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to tell Laura's story in the beginning, but I figured out their relationship relatively early because I knew the kind of person Hannah was going to have to be for the story to work. She was going to have to go in there with her decision made and she was going to be doing something that was quite extreme and she was doing it for her mother. That's her, at least that, that, that's what she thinks. That's, that's her, her conscious motivation is I'm doing this to help my mother. I'm doing this to make her life better to save her and she deserves to be saved because she's had such a terrible life and this will make our lives better. She's not really aware that there are other subconscious motivations going on, but I knew they were there. And I was trying to think, okay, I need this character to be this ruthless person, this person who's so convinced that she's right in the beginning. But I also really do want her to be redeemable. I want her to be someone I could like. And so she has to be a good person underneath all that. So to create a person who is at her core, not a bad person, quite a good person, but capable of doing these things and to go on the journey and kind of wake up through the story. Had to, she had to have a certain background to have created that. Does that make sense? So yes. the, the background with yeah. her mother and how she grew up and the history there, um, that was all necessary for Hannah to be the person she is at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Mm. And then what about the diary entries from oh God, the mother's the point part. of view? <laughs> they were so hard to write. Really? So Because hard you to knew write. it was Hannah's story, but you needed the motivation, which mm. only comes from Laura's diaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was trying to make them do everything. And mm. I have three oh. different versions of those complete, edited, polished perfected and they're totally different because I couldn't find the voice I couldn't find it I couldn't make it do everything and I wanted it to be almost notebook-esque in its romance you know like heightened and sort of like on the verge of too much but the kind of thing that would be really compelling to a teenage girl and 
for you to be drawn in by that as the reader a little bit, almost despite yourself, and then later start to question it. And so it had to kind of work on it on a lot of different levels. And that was hard. And then the, the most important thing really is, you know, we've all read those books where there's there are two timelines, and you're only really interested in one of them. So you're flying <laughs> through the other one to get back to right. the character you actually care about. I really mm-hmm. didn't want that to happen. And in the early stages, the Hannah parts were moving along really nicely. And the Laura parts just didn't have the same kind of life to them so Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to get to the point where I was relatively happy with that yeah Yeah, I can see that and now that you say I I know uh, there's another book that this reminds me of which I won't say because it's I think it would spoil the whole thing tell me after I'm like (laughs) I know I'm like I'll take it out here oh oh we can't it's Oh. <gasps> oh, right. Wow. Right. Thank you. The diet. <laughs> we really, these Good are night. some massive compliments, and no yes, one can so see can. what you just held up. Yes. So oh really, my God. It's a massive insane. bestseller. The, the end, I don't want to spoil the ending, <laughs> so I won't say, but that is where we get to. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I, I, you really, you ended up nailing it. And I'm, I, I'm surprised to hear that it was so much work because it does come off effortless but good you, it should yeah, i guess that's what yeah. the work is for so that it re- yes that is, i was gonna that. say that is what the work is for yeah. right but three separate versions yeah. exist totally yeah. finished polished for that's amazing that completely is. i'm so much work so many different scenes and characters that never came to pass and scenarios that will never appear i might put them on my website sometime but yeah it just oh, yeah. oh that's always fun yeah it's kind of fun the to see the author yeah and yes. then when you finally got to the, did, did you know when you got the one, now Kinda I've got did. it, did it click? Okay. Oh, yeah. I Once I knew, mm-hmm. re- I think the problem was, and this is maybe a small spoiler, but I won't say which way I fell. I was trying to decide, <laughs> did I want to make Laura redeemable, a person who was, you know, had really good things about her and was complicated, or if I wanted to make her absolutely not and right, I, I think right. I was trying to do both things for a long time. Ah. And then I finally accepted, no, no, this is who she is. Then I could right. write it more clearly. Okay. Mm, okay. I see that. Yeah. So like your protagonist, Hannah, you are a lawyer, as Kate and I are as well. And in fact, we've had so many authors on this podcast that have various stages of being, you know, in their practice of law from... I like still practicing, even though I write, it keeps me balanced to you could not pay me to go back. I don't don't even say that word in my presence anymore. We were curious and and Kate and I are on different parts of that spectrum, too. So what is your complicated relationship with being a lawyer? I I joke about being a recovering lawyer, you know, I mean, so many people and so many women, particularly who are at that stage, who've just left it behind. I think. Like I started a a small practice when I was 26 in the west of Ireland, which seemed like a good idea at the time. And it was very successful for about for a few years. And then the GFC, the the economic crash hit in 2007 and it hit Ireland. Oh, my God, really, really hard. I don't think people necessarily can understand that from the outside, but it was very dramatic. I mean, most families, somebody lost their job. If you kept your job, you took a 30 percent pay cut. Taxes were going up. House prices dropped by 50 percent. Um, it was a really rough time. And most of my clients, you know, lost their businesses. Some of them lost their family homes. There were a number of suicides. You know, it was a traumatic experience working through that. And we worked through it for a few years. Um, but by the time we got to 2011-ish, we kind of knew we were done. You know, my husband's a civil engineer and 
there was no civil engineering work in the time in the country. And we just said, right, we just need a fresh start. So we moved to Australia and we, we made a, I said, I just never want to practice law again, you know? Um, so we promised we would kind of be able to, we'd free ourselves to do it our way this time and to just forget the rules and do whatever we wanted. And as yeah. soon as we got here, I went back into the old habits again, you know, I was like, I better be responsible. I called the equivalent of the law society here, the bar to find out, you know, could I practice? Never forget coming back into the living room to my husband and going, okay, ah, good news. Yeah. Like, this is what I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're running a pilot thing where if you've had a lot of years experience, you can practice straight away as long as you commit to passing two exams within a year. So I could just practice straight away in Western Australia. And I'm so grateful because he just looked at me and said, what are you doing? What are you oh. doing? You know, this is not what you want. You've told me a hundred times you couldn't think of anything worse. You know, yeah. let's do something else. So mm -hmm. he was amazing. And when I went by, our baby was born shortly after we arrived here. But when I went back to work, um, it was in not as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then I started writing seriously around 2014. And now I'm writing full time. Yeah, oh, I, I, love, God, I, I love know. that. I and love I'm glad that he said too. that because that's yeah. exactly what just the default is yeah. just, all right, whew, I can do that. And he's like, what? Gotta do it. He's don't like, no, do yeah. it. Yeah, don't do it. Don't How go back. How about you guys? Yeah. So where are you guys it's, at? So I had a sort of a similar experience. I worked in commercial mortgage finance. So in wow. 2008, my bank actually folded. And at the time, I, I, I thought it was an opportunity. I'm like, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I was so entrenched in it. I knew I was not happy. I knew it felt very unsatisfying for me, but I didn't know what else to do. Mm. So I kind of took that time as like my time to figure out what else do I want to do. I wrote a screenplay. I had two kids. I started wow. practicing yoga and teaching yoga. And little by little, the kind of the pieces started to fall into place. But then the industry came back and it was full swing. And I used my severance. I used the opportunity. I used the just general recession as a way to downsize and make it work. Mm. Uh, but then when the, when the industry came back, they came knocking and I yeah. went. Yeah. I dutifully went. I'm yeah. like, okay, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, my husband was building a business. And so we really, I, I had to do it. And I, it was at that point, it was a little different because I knew what I wanted and I knew what yeah. I didn't want. Yeah. But I also had, um, I was motivated out of duty for my family and, and to support him and his, you know, dreams and, and mm -hmm. trajectory. And so, but I was, I was really miserable. But it took me probably, I, and I, kind of came in and out, but it took me like 10 years to really, as you said before, get brave, right? Yeah. To be brave about this is not what I want to do. And that was a few years ago. And I minimize law as much as possible. And I write and I do this podcast and every day is just so much better because yeah. it's, it, it's just, it was so miserable for me before I knew what I wanted out of life it was easy to just go through it. But then I was like, the, the, once you know, it's painful. Mm, it hurts. But it takes, yeah. I really do think it takes, and I'm not saying every woman, but a lot of women a lot longer to figure that out and to get more in touch with what we actually want. Right now, I see Kate's, Kate's raising her hand. <laughs> yeah. Still a box checker yeah. over here. So, you know, that's a little, I'm a box checker with side hustles right and 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 i i get to fulfill these other things with the podcast and 
have written and things like that, but I can't get off the box checking. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it is my identity. I actually do not know what I would say. Yeah. I, know. I am if I don't say I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I'm I know this, it, it is, it's, yeah, it is it's part a of real your identity. identity issue yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I am still a practicing lawyer. <laughs> but it's not the worst thing in the world to be a no, responsible and no. person. And you to, know, that's a good thing. That's, yeah. that's right. And to be fair, it does work more for you. I mean, I was yes. tortured in pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, I every single day was like, what am I doing? Like, I what? Should, yeah, why yeah. am this I doing this? Yeah, this is yeah. the wrong. Yeah. It's making, and also, I also, you know, you talk about, I know the law often is, is more male dominated, but I worked in the particular type of law I worked in, especially even the places where I worked. I worked at hedge funds, uh, debt funds and oh, wow. investment banks. I mean, I was often the only woman. So not yeah. just like a few of us. And it just made me into someone I did not like. Mm-hmm. And I realized that. Yeah. And there was a time I thought I liked it. I thought I liked being a certain way very masculine. I was just going to say uh, the masculine energy. energy. We both have that. But totally. you, when surrounded by it, that was, part of you came out more. That's right. right. Yeah. So I like being around feminine energy and then having that masculine for myself, which is, I think, works for me. But there it was just so heightened and so became over the top and grotesque, especially knowing there were eyes on me as the woman. What is the woman here going to tolerate? What is the woman here going to say in this situation? And so... Uh, it just made me into someone I that did not want to be. be. And so, Don't you find yeah. that it's one of the most joyful things about getting older, though? Like this connection with figuring out what the heck you want and being able to embrace it. Like whatever mm-hmm. that might look like, whether it's leaving law yeah. or staying in law, being in law in a different way. Like yeah. I just feel so much happier in that sense than I was in my 20s where I had no yeah. clue what I wanted. Yeah, it, yeah, because you don't know what else there is out there and everything when you're younger feels very binary, feels very black yes. and white. I am a lawyer or I am not a lawyer. Yeah. You know, it's not, there's no other way to make yourself into a, a whole person yeah. when you're younger. But now you get to say you're an author. Yes. So like, how did you like <laughs> pinch yourself? Like, what's your favorite moments of that? Cause, oh man, I that's have a bit pretty of a amazing. Crazy story. Um, when it comes to getting into writing, I mean, I, it was in 2014. I was doing this kind of quasi legal role because it was very hard to get straight out of law. I had to earn a living. Um, and I wasn't happy. So I said, maybe I'll do an MBA. You know, I could do a part-time MBA over five years. That would get me into a slightly more commercial role. And I said, what am I doing? I don't want to do an MBA. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse. So I said, right, I'm going to give five years to writing. The same way I'd give five years part-time to an MBA, I'm going to give five years to writing. I'm going to write every night except Thursday, which was wine night. And so once the kids were in bed, 7.30 to 9.30 or 10, I would work. And um by 2014, the book was kind of finished, but I didn't really have, wasn't brave enough to send it to a, an agent yet. But there was a Twitter pitch competition online where you got to pitch your book in 140 mm-hmm. characters. And if the agent liked your tweet, it meant to be sort of invited to query them. That's all. So one agent liked my tweet and I sent off my 50 pages and forgot about it. And then time went by and uh, I started to get headaches. And my husband was kind of insistent that I go to the doctor and I'll never forget, it was a Friday morning in July in 2016. We were supposed to head down south on holidays with our friends. And I went into the GP practice and I could see she was nervous. And she just said, Dervla, um, you have a brain tumor and it's really very serious. And have you lost any sight yet? Have you lost any peripheral vision? 
And I was like, um, wow. no. And she said, well, yeah, yeah. you know, look, you have a tumor and it's it's very serious and, you know, it has to come out or, or it will just keep growing and it's in a very dangerous place. So it would be ultimately fatal. And um, she turned to her bookcase and took down her physician's desk reference and flicked through until she came to neurosurgeons. And she wrote down the name of three neurosurgeons on a post-it note and gave it to me and said, whichever one of these will see you first is the surgeon you need to see. Wow. So within about five minutes of that, I was out sitting in the car and I had the post-it note in one hand and my phone in the other. And I just started Googling their names, look up their numbers. And the phone buzzed with an email from that agent saying that she'd loved my 50 pages and could I send her the book? And I started oh, looking oh around gosh. for the cameras. I was like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was bizarre. Oh, yes. So I went home that day and my husband's parents were visiting from Ireland. And so they were there. The kids were only six and four. So I got my husband, Kenny, I took him upstairs, closed the door to our room, closed the door to our dressing room. And I said, look, there's good news and there's bad news. And he said, oh, okay, boy. give me the bad news. And I said, well, it's a brain tumor, but there is a literary agent. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> sure you could receive that good news oh, after God. that first no. he looked at me like I was crazy and I crazy. said no but Kenny you know you had to have been there like it was really weird uh, consultation I don't think she got it right you know okay. I was in complete right. denial but also right yes uh, right you you're in denial you're in shock for sure but it also just puts a little bit into perspective how hard it feels to like get an agent <laughs> to write a book I mean yes. it does feel like mm, maybe wow. This is even like better. Like I'm, <laughs> this luck- is more I'm more lucky than, this. than yeah. I am unlucky, unlucky here. Exactly. Yes. yes. Um, which is which moment. is totally skewed and wrong, but yeah. <laughs> it does give you a little. I mean, that's I guarantee many people in your position would have felt like this way. is good news and this is oh, bad it news. Was so silly. Yes. It's wild. Yes. It was so silly. It was it was only yeah. about eight a.m. and so it was still in the middle of the night in Ireland. My sister is a GP in Ireland, so I said, "Look, I, I've asked the GP to email me the scan and the report. I've sent that to my sister in Ireland. Let's go down south anyway, and when she wakes up, she'll tell us what's really going on." So put the kids in the car and the dogs in the car and the grandparents in the car and we drove south and I'll never forget I was walking around outside this restaurant Clancy's Fish Bar in, in Dunsborough in Western Australia um, with my dog my golden retriever on the lead and my sister rang me and she was like no it's not good not good news so she oh. told me the skinny and what needed to be done but it was a really scary time because the first surgeon we mm-hmm. saw felt it was inoperable and so that was a really rough moment because all you're thinking about is the children yeah. and how young they are. And then the second surgeon was amazing. He was he's an Australian surgeon who had just come back from the States. And he was like, of oh. course, not a problem. Not an issue. Oh, I know how to do this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I had three weeks between that diagnosis and the surgery. And I spent those three weeks sending the book to literary agents. Oh, just as a distraction, I guess. And I came yeah. out, there was 11 days in hospital and about 10 weeks recovering at home. And by about week, I think, it, I can't remember if it was week five or six, sometime around that time, I got the first email from an agent saying she'd love to have a Skype call, which is, you know, Corinne usually means they're kind of interested in representing you. And they just want to make sure that you're not crazy first. Yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I can we have a conversation? Yeah. Let's yeah. have a conversation and assess yeah. you. 
I was yes, saying to Kenny, mm-hmm. I can't tell them that I've just had brain surgery. I mean, I can't say I've just had brain surgery and my next book is going to be amazing. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. Oh my yes. gosh. That would have been a memorable conversation. Not, like I knew I would have to confess, but not in the first conversation. But not right no. now. So, yes. um, oh gosh. He helped me. We used cushions, propped myself up on the couch. I put on loads of makeup and I was super perky for about 20 minutes. And then I slept for about 26 hours afterwards. Wow. And then I confessed oh. and, and then I was back at work about two or three weeks when we started to get offers of publication coming in with when I was at my desk with my work friends and it was incredibly exciting. Oh, um, wow. Went to what auction, a st- went on from there. Well, it oh. went to auction. Oh my gosh. Wow. That what is amazing. What a story. I don't, it's so harrowing. <laughs> you, if you wrote that in your book, people are like, this Too is much. unbelievable. Fiction. Pure <laughs> fiction. Yeah. Like, and change it because this could never happen. Yeah, you would never actually be in the car yeah. with a post-it note <laughs> and a phone call. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But, wow. But, but there was something at play in the universe. I mean, yes. those that, to get those at the same moment. It was oh such a gosh. weird time. And the, like the whole thing felt really surreal, like surreal. There were moments where yeah. I, after the book was published, you know, the, one of the very first events I got to do was Adelaide Writers Festival and Louise Penny was in Australia. Oh, and I got to uh-huh. share a stage with Louise Penny. And there were like 450 people in the audience, obviously for Louise, because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to be there with her and she was, I mean, she was so gorgeous. Like she was oh. funny and kind and encouraging and generous and like just it was the dream situation. And it was the most exciting moment, but it was also, I genuinely had a moment where I was sitting there going, this can't actually be happening. And I bet what happened was surgery went really badly and I'm still on a morphine drip in hospital. And this is just all the fantasy that I right. oh, God. constructed in my head. <laughs> right, right. Because it just didn't oh, get real, wow. you know? Yes, wow. I can imagine. And how does that affect your ability to like want more well, I've said it wrong because the fact is, the truth is, you must be very, you're obviously very grateful and present and excited about everything you have, but do you still want more? Do you oh still? God, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry. I led there because I'm thinking lawyer, type A. I yeah, know this. You know, I, it's me. Right, you I was projecting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm like this, nodding yeah. my head. It's you know? terrible. Like, I, I don't know. Where does yeah. it stop? Because the first book, The Ruin, got into the top 10 in Australia, which was like, oh, oh my God, wildly exciting. And then The Scholar amazing. got into the top five. And then The Good Turn oh. was number one across all categories. Oh. Um, so it's wow. just been this trajectory. And so like, is that not enough? Is that not, yeah, that right. should be enough, right? But now I'm like, yes. hmm, what mm-hmm. about America? Yeah. <laughs> yes. World domination. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. World domination. Oh, Why not? We oh. could plot that, guys. I mean, the three people on this call And we'd be like, plot. what? Yeah. <laughs> I wish uh, people could yeah. see the face Corinne just made. I know. I know. I, 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 know. I folded innocent. my hands under my chin. Yes. All innocent. And see, I'm all like thinking of Reese Witherspoon. What? Like it's hard? I yeah. Mean, you know. <laughs> World domination. I'm in Legally Blonde over here. Yeah. Like what? Like it's hard? Like it's hard? We could just, like we could just do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well. Wow. But listen, you should still want exactly yeah. and desire. And, and the truth what? is, that's the trajectory you're actually on. Like every book you have, you're getting stronger and better and more people know about you and 
selling more. I mean, that's, I hope so. it just is. It's look, I love writing stories. I just yeah. love to write. It's the best part about it is that moment where the story comes to life, you know, yeah. and it just, it just yeah. feels yeah. real and it's so exciting. And I, I always counted in like how many years left do I think I definitely have as a full time writer? That's like, I think I've definitely got three years and then who knows? Yeah. And I wanted yeah. to be three more and then three more and three more, you know, I just mm-hmm. want to be able to do it forever. And sometimes it feels like with the way the market has gone, you either keep going up or you just disappear. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to be around a while longer if I could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. We would like that too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we've already talked about our lawyer control freak type A personalities. And so one of the ways we try, me and Corinne, to sort of loosen the white knuckle grip we have on life <laughs> is through astrology. It sort of helps us to know that the universe is like bringing people to us and opportunities. And it sounds like, you know, these kind of life-changing experiences, it feels like there's something bigger at play. We snooped and figured out you're a Libra. Is that Yes, I am. Oh, my God. Okay. I know. Research skills. (laughs) Yeah. I I couldn't find it. I I forgot to ask Corinna how she figured this out. Because we usually ask all our authors, what's your sign and do you relate? And Libra is actually my rising sign. I don't know how into astrology or if you even know what that means. I don't know much about it. No. So everyone has their sun sign that they know of. Um, I think. And then... What do you guys call it? You don't call it in, in Europe, the sun sign, the zodiac. What, how do you, do you say your, what's your sign? Heard, I've heard, yeah, they say what's your sign. I've heard, I've oh, okay. heard rising, but I've never heard sun sign. That's a new one. Okay. Me. Well, so your regular sign, your, your astrological sign is Libra, but then your rising sign is sort of the mask you put on to the world, like how you ah. might present to the world. And then your moon sign is what you are on the inside, oh, sort of wow. your inner feeling. So everyone, you can do your chart, you, whatever. So we know all our signs. <laughs> in wow. all our areas. Um, but Libra is my rising sign. And so I'm a Leo, but but I present apparently to the world as a Libra, which with the scales of justice as its symbol sort of does resonate with me. Um, so does that sign resonate with you? Well, here's the thing. I'm going to confess to knowing so little about it. I don't even okay. really know what the main characteristics are. I mean, I kind of know, okay, is this totally wrong that a Libra is sort of measured? And yes. is that correct? Mm-hmm. And yes. sort of controlled mm-hmm. and sort of like um, calm or something. I don't know if that last one is right. I don't. I don't think I'm any of those things. I, I well, I think I am very measured and I do analyze everything to death. But I think that might be driven more by anxiety than any kind of controlled <laughs> situation. You know? Right, 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 right. Uh, See, and I figure that's my legal training, right? Yes. You know, like to be yes. look at both sides Balanced. and weigh balanced. You know, yeah, yeah. and and it's also and, see. I don't know. I go to extremes, but that's not the same. And I'm I'm constantly having to bring myself to balance, but I am not balanced at all. Yeah. So that's very different because Libra is more about harmony, peace, justice, okay. like getting it right. Oh, I'm so, definitely that. Definitely. Yeah. It's always yeah. about mm-hmm. harmony and peace and trying to make sure that everybody gets heard and that it's all everybody's happy. And, and that's, mm-hmm. yeah, a big part yeah. of it. It's really hard to let go of that and recognize that you're not really... It's not for you to do that all the time. You know, other people have to do their thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm. Uh, They're also charming, which, and (laughs) friendly, cozy people that they say. So Mm -hmm. that all is bringing very true for us here. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I wanted to ask about 
how this story, what oh the inspiration for this story, mm-hmm. uh, the okay. murder rule. The real, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's behind it, where did it come from? Um, yeah. It started with a newspaper article I read quite yeah. a few years ago about a young Irish law student who went to the States on her J-1 visa. And I don't know if, if you guys would be that familiar with this, but Irish university students, it's a tradition going back a long time. They can get something called a J-1 visa, which allows you to go to the US for the summer and work. And so we all do it. Like it's, it's such a thing. Irish students go and do it. I spent my summer in Bar Harbor working as a chambermaid and a waitress and having a lot of fun. Um, highly irresponsible. Love but it. this young woman went and she volunteered for the Innocence Project. And when she came back to Ireland, she couldn't let go of the case she'd been working. So she kept working it and she tracked down a retired policewoman who pointed to her to some hidden evidence, um, that had been hidden from the defense in the original case. And as a result of her work, this man who'd been in prison for a very long time um, was freed for over 20 years and he was freed from prison. And I just thought, wow, this is so inspiring, you know, and I, I feel like such a failure that this, she did all these amazing <laughs> things and I did nothing. But I didn't really feel like there was a story there to write, you know. I felt like it was a story that had kind of been told. And then um, a couple of years later, I came across the story again. I did a bit more digging. I read a bit more and it turned out that after she found the evidence, it took another five years to have that case heard again. And he had been oh. in prison, I I believe it was 22 years before he was freed. He only had three years left to run in his original sentence. Oh, and I just boy. thought, well, you know, wow. that's a much darker, more complicated story than the original one. And why mm. was the sanitized version presented, you know, and... I thought, well, maybe the editors preferred the kind of cleaner, more inspirational tale or, you know, what if the Innocence Project had like an awesome PR team that was sending the story out because it would garner more support. And I had no reason to think that except my own dark mind. Writers, writers. But I thought, you know, well, OK, what if you did do that? Like, what if you're a really good person in the world and you're trying so hard to make a difference and nobody cares because we're living in a post-truth world. We're living in a really noisy world where people are, it's very difficult to get people on side. So would you take a little step off the black and white path to be effective? And once you've done that, then would you take the next step and the next step? And if you did, where would that lead you? And once I started thinking mm. down those lines, I thought, okay, I think I've got something to have fun with here. I got chills. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's those steps off because so many people start in the right place mm-hmm. and then just one little step in the wrong direction and, and look what and happens. You're gone. Yeah. But there's also that story is like, it's the all's well that ends well kind of version of it. But what that person's life and, and all of those years and mm-hmm. it's his family. And how do you ever recover yeah. from that? How do you ever recover from that? You know, it's just, it's never a happy tale. It can't be. But it it also, I was very interested in the idea, you know, we were just talking about black and white and, and people taking steps. And I think something goes wrong when you're absolutely convinced that you're right about something. If you're absolutely Mm -hmm. sure you are right, there's almost nothing you won't do. And and that inability to see the other side, which is why I wanted Hannah to have that mindset in the beginning where she goes in and she is a very smart young woman and she has been the smartest person in the room for a long time so she is sure she's right and therefore she's willing to go places the rest of us wouldn't necessarily and then i wanted her to kind of wake up a little bit yeah Mm. yeah oh i love that yeah (laughs) inspiration yes um comes from everywhere i love it i know so we ask everyone this we get 
great answers. We're always interested in what our authors are into. Like, what are you reading or watching or listening to? Podcasts, um, yeah, anything. Oh, man. Um, one of my favorite podcasts is Script Notes, which is a, actually, have you guys come across it? It's, no. um, it's a U.S. podcast. It's two screenwriters, Craig Mazin and John August. Craig Mazin wrote Chernobyl. John okay. August wrote um, Oh, yes, of Latin, course. Lots of other yes. stuff. Yes. And they have been doing this podcast for donkeys. So they're like 500 plus episodes. And it's just about the craft of screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. And I don't write for screen and probably never will. But they talk about character and story yeah. and writing life. And it's just fun. And I, I really yeah. enjoy that. So podcast wise, that's one of my favorites. Um, what am I watching at the moment? A bit of everything. I really loved Only Murders in the Building recently. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yes. a lot of fun. Um, We're watching The Chestnut Man. And book-wise, this is not the final cover, I think. This is an arc. But this is a book by Sulari Gentle. I think that might be... um, The Woman in the Library. No, it's for us. It's good. It's good. Um, And it's just such a good book. It starts off with these strangers sitting at a desk in Boston Public Library. And they hear a woman scream. And it turns out later that she was murdered. And the three strangers kind of form a loose kind of amateur detective group if you like and they start investigating but at the same time there's this other plot running through it where there is correspondence between the writer of that story and someone who's sort of doing her research for her and that becomes its own little subplot but what makes Mm -hmm. it brilliant is it's just this very bookish very clever funny sharp kind of self-aware story it's mm-hmm. it's a joy like it's the kind of book we look forward to reading at the end of the night so yes. i i oh, love i love that really fun and i love anything that doesn't quite fit you know the staples it's like yes. this is a little different oh this I is wanna... exactly that yeah. print. it just steps yeah. outside like and the writer just knows what she's doing you know the way you know that from the oh, first couple yeah. of pages so you can just mm-hmm. sit yes. back and enjoy you it trust yes yeah. yes right. the trust yeah. Yeah. like I, i'm in your hands yeah mm-hmm. and she's having fun the whole way like she's and she's just oh it's just this sharp humor i honestly i can't recommend it enough i loved it really loved it good oh, okay great. all right we're gonna put that on our list for sure and you've got events you're coming to the u.s for a tour and Sam. you've got events with karen slaughter don I winslow i mean hello yeah this is big yeah i'm very 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 lucky i'm super have you excited. met karen yeah i no I, not in person i we've done a couple of things online together because i interviewed her for australia when her book came okay. out there a couple of years ago and then when she was promoting pieces of her i did the australian leg she was doing this little thing around the world oh, nice. right. okay so you know she's hilarious she's like so we funny. interviewed her. i had we were so this dry, dry. Oh. Yeah, wit yeah, and yeah. sarcasm we yeah. just fell in love. i was like oh, she, you're so funny yeah, she's really she surprises you because she's uh, like she's i just think she's whip smart and, and oh, uh, she's crazy. not afraid to go anywhere so it's kind of scary because you're just like, it is, this but is it's exciting go. yeah but i know and she'll go there for herself she was telling yeah. us about her fights with her sisters i mean she goes <laughs> wherever but it comes out deadpan and then you're like wait what did what? you just say <laughs> what did you just say and then you just start laughing i had at least just... two or three of those moments i was like hang on what <laughs> exactly exactly we were unprepared yeah. i mean yes. meaning we just didn't know that and yeah. it was such a treat, treat. so i'm a little scared yeah. but i can't wait and i can't believe i mean oh you'll hang like... you're come on you'll hang with her for it's sure that yeah so if That's you're, exciting. if anybody listening is going to be in Atlanta in the next 
I can't remember the dates now. So what, what good am I to publicize anything? <laughs> yeah, but no. we'll check. It's in May sometime. It, your Instagram. Well, where, yeah, and yeah your, I was just yes. going to say, where should people find you or if look you, for you? Uh, I'm for on social things. media um, at, at Dervla McTiernan. So that's just D-E-R-V-L-A. McTiernan is M-C-T-I-E-R-N-A-N. And that's I'm the same on everything. And my website is DervilleMcTiernan.com and all the events are there. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having oh, me. It's such so a lovely. To, I wish we were in the same place and we could go for a glass of wine now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, on Thursday, because it's Thursdays or wine night. Ah, <laughs> Thursday. Yes. I mean, according to you, I, I mean, I'll do any night, but. <laughs> Those days are, I, luckily, I don't have to write every night anymore, so I have a bit more flexibility. That's right, right. <laughs> okay. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed the show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.